Greetings, church, and Merry Christmas. Today we will be considering some of the most memorable words from this chapter of Isaiah that we have been considering this Advent season. Hear this, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The tension in this text is unavoidable. Isaiah speaks of a king who embodies qualities which at first blush don't seem like they belong together. They seem contradictory. He paints a picture of a king who is unlike any other in a kingdom which is not of this world. This is how we know, I think, that the king Isaiah speaks about could not simply be the king that was born within a generation, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we know that Isaiah was preparing us to receive or the arrival of another king who would come 700 years later. See, the child of whom Isaiah spoke is the same boy of who the angels proclaimed to a teenage girl named Mary in Luke chapter 1. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. These same angels also told a group of unsuspecting shepherds in Luke chapter 2, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is the child born to us. Jesus is the son given to us. Jesus is the king unlike any other, and it is Jesus' kingdom that is not of this world. You see, he alone embodies the complex qualities which at first seem unable to coexist. He is a child, yet the government will be on his shoulders. He is a son, and yet he is also father. He is born, yet he is also everlasting. He is a counselor, yet he is also a prince. He is peace, yet he is also mighty. In Jesus, galaxies of tension are held in perfect harmony. The natural and the supernatural, the secular and the sacred, the mundane and the majestic humanity and divinity, they all flourish within the person of Jesus Christ or in the language of one of Jesus' dearest and closest friends and followers, a man named John, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Did you hear that? Grace and truth. In the beautiful blend of things which we believe to be antithetical, Jesus reveals this otherworldly glory of God. He is, as one preacher has put it, the going public of God's worth and beauty. Now, why is this so critical for us to consider today on Christmas Eve, especially this Christmas Eve? What, what effect does this incarnation of the Son of God, fully divine yet fully human, have upon our story? What's its relevancy upon our faith today? Well, first, I think we ought to concede. We often view the God of the Bible in one of two ways. 
one of two ways which guides all of our thinking and belief and living of how we engage this world, we either see God as love or God as law. We either see God as love or God as law. In other words, we see the God of the Bible as someone who loves us without condition or as someone who dictates to us without exception. This, of course, shapes the way we live and treat others. If we only see God as love, then we fail to hold ourselves and others to his standard of truth. If we only see God as law, then we fail to receive and give his compassion that he has extended to us. This is why the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Church, we are loved. But because of this love, we are changed. We are not loved to live as we please, we are loved to live as pleases God. You see, the way in which we are loved compels us and, and, and binds us to something that's true. The way we've received affection from God actually transforms the way that we live. We want to live in allegiance to Him, out of love for Him. In other words, love and truth belong together. As writer Andy Crouch eloquently explains, love and truth must be bound together if humanity is to flourish and thrive. He uses in his book, Strong and Weak, the language of vulnerability, exposure to meaningful risk, and authority capable of meaningful action. He lays these out and essentially claims that vulnerability without authority always leads to suffering. But authority without vulnerability will lead to exploitation. See, when love and truth are disjointed, suffering and exploitation persist. This is why Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 is so powerful. This is what we celebrate at Advent. In Christ alone, we see the true harmony of authority over creation and vulnerability in the midst of creation. Or as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones has put it, that when the Word of God became flesh, the Creator made Himself killable. The one who was over creation stepped into creation for the good of creation. I think this reality, this truth, this good news is equally convicting and comforting, especially as we celebrate another Christmas in the middle of a pandemic, amidst a global health crisis. You see, depending on our personalities and experiences, we may believe that we have to choose love or truth today. Celebration or sorrow? A holiday or reality? Have you felt this tension? See, some of us are so overwhelmed and want to simply ignore all of the sorrow so we can just have one night, one day, one moment to celebrate. Others of us are consigned to yet another season, another holiday, bound by the reality of grief and discomfort and seen by what we lack, not by what we have. We, in other words, we ignore the celebration for the sorrow. But my sisters and my brothers, our God is not a God who pulls apart such apparent contradictions 
Where did we even get the idea that celebration and sorrow are mutually exclusive? What if, what if what we always hold apart actually comes together in Jesus Christ? See, in Christ, we are vulnerable in this season. We're exposed to meaningful risk and excruciating cost. Yet in Christ, we are authoritative in this season capable of meaningful action and understanding and under and conceding and submitting to truth therefore i'd like to suggest to you this christmas eve we do not choose sorrow or celebration today we we don't choose love or truth we choose to be honest about the sorrow yet we choose to be hopeful in our celebration we embrace the love that christ compels us with, yet we submit ourselves to truth all at the same time. Or rather, what I'd like to suggest to you is that we receive the love and truth of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is nothing new. Did you know when Jesus was born, people were suffering? Did you know that when Jesus was born, hundreds of Hebrew boys were executed? Did you know when Jesus was born, his parents had to run for their lives? Did you know that when Jesus was born, he knew he had been born to die? Did you know that on the cross, there was unthinkable suffering and yet unquestionable victory? Did you see the things we think we have to hold apart are brought together in the person of Jesus Christ? Perhaps you just want to have fun and enjoy Christmas. You just want to celebrate. Perhaps you just want to be honest and acknowledge the pandemic and be realistic. You, you feel the sorrow. But in Christ, there is another and better way. We receive the child born to us in sorrow and the son given to us who brings celebration. You see, Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that there is a child, yet the government will be on his shoulders. There is a son, yet he is also father. He is born, yet he is also everlasting. He is a counselor, and yet he is prince. There is peace, and yet he is also mighty. Do you see? In Jesus, galaxies of tension are held in perfect harmony. The natural and the supernatural. The secular and the sacred. The mundane and the majestic. Humanity and divinity. And yes, sorrow and celebration. All find meaning and flourishing within the child born to us. And so in a season where galaxies of tension have invaded our lives and each of our hearts and minds and stories, may this gospel, may this Jesus, may this glorious King bring us good news of great joy.